Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. How exciting. Year 2023. And um, I know many of you are new to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. And so I continue to do the flashback series. Like I mentioned in my last episode is that I'm going to be doing this so that in February for my birthday month, we have new releases of new empowering amigas and empowering amigos. So I'm excited to bring you back today are my beautiful friends who are trailblazers in communities. And um, they're very powerful women. One of them is Asusena, another beautiful soul. And Denai, who is also an amazing community leader. And so I really wanted to bring them back so that you can listen to these episodes about community leadership. They thrive and they provide such a beautiful opportunity for collaboration, for networking, and for mobility in our communities. And so it was super important for me to bring them back and for you to get inspiration to build your own communities, whether they are local or whether they're national like these amigas. So without further ado, these are some powerful women, Denai and Asusena. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, amigas, to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I'm very excited today because I get to have an amazing individual. Her name is Asusena Maldonado, and she is considered the golf queen. Hello, Latina golf queen. Yes, she is. And so today I'm excited to have her here and she's going to share a lot of tips on how we can get our golf, our golf on. So here we go. Azucena Maldonado is the founder and CEO of the Latina Golfers Association. 
better known as LGA. LGA was created in 2008. Azucena Maldonado created LGA to introduce women of all ages to the game of golf for their professional development, personal enjoyment, and to promote a healthy lifestyle. The LGA has introduced more than 1,400 women to golf. Oof, that's a lot. The response to the LGA's golf clinics, golf lessons, workshops, golf outings, tournaments, and receptions has been overwhelming. Women from all walks of life, including bankers, attorneys, corporate professionals, entrepreneurs, doctors, educators, housewives, media professionals, and students have joined the LGA network. Azucena has appeared in Golf Digest, Golf Business, the Southern California Golf Association, Four Magazine, the PGA of America Magazine, NBC Latino, New Latina, La Opinion, and Latina Style Magazine, to name a few. Oh my God, if that's not enough. In 2015, Azucena was profiled in golf legend Arnold Palmer's Kingdom Magazine and appeared on the cover of Southland Golf Magazine, as well as featured in the PGA of America's National Magazine. Asusena was recently asked to join golf legend Annika Sorstam and LPGA tour player Paula Creamer on the advisory board of the newly launched Women's Golf. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Asusena, that is a huge Huge, huge accomplishment. I feel like you've been all over the magazines. Oh my God. This is like the literally the only sports activity that people can actually go and play. Absolutely. That's one of the wonderful things about golf is that, well, not only do you get to be outside, it's always had this, you know, power to be with nature, to, you know, because golf really is, you're not competing against anybody else. It's just you and the golf ball and the golf course. And it's about your challenge with the golf course, not that you're playing against somebody else. That's really not what it's about. So the beauty of being outdoors, it's always been such a soothing sport for so many people. So especially in this time, it's a sport, it's a game, it's an activity that can we can do safely, socially distance. You literally, a golf hole, imagine, average golf hole, 250, 300 yards long. <laughs> right? That's there are four people. <laughs> Four people playing in 250, 350 yards in the open, beautiful air. You're socially distanced. You're at least six feet apart, sometimes 100 feet apart. So it is just beautiful. It's safe. You get to visit with people that are outside your little bubble. So it's just been such a release and relief for so many people around the country, so much so that golf, literally, I think golf's of round, rounds of golf, depending on the golf course, have gone up 20, 40 percent, you know, in wow. a month. So wow. it's really been impressive. So it's people new to the game. It's yeah. people who were too busy to play. I mean, it's just been, it's just been phenomenal. And I just hope that energy continues 
and that we will be able to harness some of that and get our Latinas out on the course. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. That's like music to my ears. I want some of that literally like now, bring it to me now. (laughs) So tell me, Azucena, so I know you had a life prior to golf and we all need to know what was that? Who was Azucena? Where did you live? What is your background? I mean, did you learn how to play golf because your parents played golf? I mean, so many questions, so many questions. Can you help us? So give us a, like a brief story about your childhood and where you're from and now to today. Well, I I never would have imagined that today I would be talking to you or anybody (laughs) about having a life in golf. It was just not in my field of reference at all. I am a immigrant from Mexico, northern Mexico, Monterrey. My parents, I was born in Monterrey. My parents brought me to live in Texas, where I enjoyed growing up in such a bilingual, bicultural state. But because we're, you know, first generation immigrants, I grew up in very humble beginning, beginnings, actually was raised in the projects. Come on, golf is just not a part of that world. And in fact, so much so that in Mexico, Central South America, golf is for the most part a private sport. We're so blessed here in the United States that there's municipal public golf. It's accessible to everybody. In some of these countries, golf is really only accessible to those that belong to a country club. That's the only way you can play golf. So obviously that was not in my world before, but I moved to California knowing really nothing about golf, not even thinking that that was going to be my world. And lo and behold, I had been here all of a month and this amazing Latino who was a crazy avid golfer asked me out on a date. And on our second date, he took me to the golf course. He brought me the putter. Do you know, like when we play putt-putt golf or miniature golf, almost mm-hmm. everybody has done that. I consider yeah. you a golfer if you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the stick that we play with is called a putter. Right. He brought me one of those, and he took me to the putting green, and he said, here, you know, let's try this. And I was like, wow, I can do this. I think I like it. And he took me under his wing. And for three years that he and I were in a relationship, he kind of sacrificed his life for me. (laughs) In those three years, that guy, uh, Miguel Fernandez is his name. He literally three times a week minimum, he would take me to the golf course and just to the practice area and just show me and show me and repeat and repeat until I got good enough to play in the little bitty courses and in the bigger courses and bigger courses. But in those three years, he just held my hand, stood by me, made sure that I knew what to do, how to do it and become a confident golfer. But I didn't know anything about golf or the golf world or the culture of golf. I didn't even know that there was really business golf, right? So I just loved it. I mean, the minute I was there, I fell in love with it. And you can see why. It's just amazing. It's something that anybody can do. It's something that you can do with your family, your kids, your spouse, your partner. It's just an amazing place to gather with people. And so when somebody then found out I was a golfer, 
invited me to go play in a charity golf tournament, like a business golf tournament. And I said, okay, I'll go. And when I went, I was just blown away. I felt like I was in Disneyland for golfers. (laughs) I really did. You're at an amazing, gorgeous, beautiful, probably private country club. It's nothing but golfers, people who just are into the game or into the social fun of golf. Everybody welcomes you. And I just started meeting all these people because, mind you, remember, I'm sort of new to California, Southern California. And I started meeting all these people, corporate people, VIPs, elected officials. All of these people were there, right? Entrepreneurs, chamber people. Everybody was there. And here I am meeting all these people that I had only been seeing sort of from afar, and all of a sudden, here we were together on the golf course. And then they were like, oh, hey, Asisena, you know, blah, blah, blah. You, When you're golfers, here's the one thing I will tell our ladies. When you're a golfer, golfers is a fa- familia. It's a tight-knit familia. And we're like comadres. You got your comadres back, right? Yes. Everything, yes. We're, yes. we're comadres. We're, I'm going to help you. If you come to me as my comadre, with golfers. Golfers are a familia and it's kind of like comadres. So I started meeting these people. And then when I would go to do my regular networking, you know, at all the Latino organizations or chambers or business meetings, I would run into these people and then they would all say, Hey, you know, Asusena, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, I would never have been able to, or no, it would have taken me three years maybe on a volunteer committee to sit with somebody for six months or a year to get to know them like this. And all of a sudden they're going, Hey, Asisena, how's your golf game? How you, Hey, you want to go play golf in this charity tournament? You want to go to, and I was just like going, what is this? I saw the power that golf has. And then it became clear to me. I started looking around and go, wait a minute, there's a hundred men here. And there's three or four women playing in this event. What's going on here? And then I started going, why aren't we here? Why aren't we here? So this is about three years into me playing golf. You know, so just before 2008 or right around 2007, this was starting to happen. And I just didn't see any women, menos Latinas, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Golf right. So, then I said, so I was like, hmm. and I used to think, oh, they just don't want us here. You know, this is their you know, the boys club, they don't want women here. Finally, they started saying, hey, Asusena, why don't you bring your girlfriends to come play in the tournament? I was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, who of my (laughs) network of Latinas who plays golf? And I couldn't find them. And then I said, oh my God, okay, I have to do something about this. And I was just inspired. And I said, I'm starting Latina golfers. I'm going to get us to play golf. I'm going to get us on the golf course. I am going to make sure that Latinas feel comfortable and have an avenue, a way to get into this sport so that they can reap all of these business benefits that surround the game of golf. And what I mean by that are opportunities. Because what golf does is offers you access to power and influence or just really cool people because it's a familia. And once you're in, 
you're in, you're a golfer. And the beautiful thing about it is that you don't have to be a great golfer. It's really not about your technical expertise of golf. Sure. If you're really great, technically, people are impressed by that. They love that. But it's not about that. It's about understanding the business culture of golf and you will connect with anybody and they will respect you if you respect the game of golf. Wow. God, you know, so this happened in 2007, 2008. And I've been, you know, I, I was looking you up. I was looking, doing a bit of research before our interview today. And, you know, you were saying about how you were noticing that you were just less than a handful when you started off of Latinas and women, just women, right? Yeah, you know, women in general, playing at the tournaments that I went to. Right. And so I started thinking, I'm like, what is one of the top tier golf courses? And we all know about Augusta. And I remember reading an article back in 2012 about how Augusta finally opened up the membership to women. And I thought at that time when I read the article, I said, hello, why? Why is this such a private, like a bad, you know, I mean bad, but like a men's club where men are not allowed. And I thought that was like, I mean, it was messed up. But now that you're telling me this story, I understand that because it's always been about men, right? Who are the ones that are the movers and the shakers of this world? It's the men. And where do they do their business dealings? On the golf course. So, you know, now that you're putting everything into perspective, I'm like, now I see it. Like, I, like, wow, but you've done so much since then. You first started off with just a couple of women and then you started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I wanted, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, because I, 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 it's not like I was an expert. Yeah. I was just a newbie, a person that loved to play recreational golf. I mean, if I could be every day on a golf course, I'd be in heaven. I was that person. Now, in my background, I didn't really talk about it, but in my background, I did, you know, public relations, you know, grassroots outreach. I was always very tied into the Latino community. So that was not a big reach for me. So why was I able to do this, to create a movement from nothing, from really something that was, I'm not going to say it was foreign to our community, but whenever I would start, you know, when I first started, here's what I would do. I had some cards printed and I would go to every event that I was always at anyway. And I would pass out my cards here. I started Latina golfers I started Latina golfers. And, you know, you want to join, you want to join, you want to join. And they would look at a lot of people. Not everyone would look at me and go, why do I want to do that? Why would I want to do that when the stereotype of golf is just old white men playing golf and blah, blah, blah. And then I would tell them my experience and my story about how golf opened up my world and how it has the power to do that. And beyond business, it's just a beautiful sport to be a part of. You meet amazing people. You meet people from all over the world, become your instant friends because you're a golfer. And then they would their eyes would light up. You're like, oh, you know, I didn't think about it that way. And what I found is that, like myself, we have a disconnect. Our 
community, you know, whether you're immigrant or second, third, fourth generation, we don't have a background in the United States being in the world of golf. So why would we be in that world? So I don't blame anybody. So it was a little bit, there's a disconnect. And I said, I want to be the connect. I want to be the bridge for our ladies, our women, to be able to feel comfortable in that world, not intimidated by that world. And a lot of times it's our own intimidation. Anybody has this fear. When you don't know something, you don't understand something, you're not familiar with something, you're not just going to go show up. I'm not just going to go to a golf course. Why would I do that? But once you become more familiar with it and come to one of our events at a golf course, we might be doing a reception at a golf course. Once you step foot on that golf course, you go, hey, you know, it's not so bad. It's not so scary here. I can do this. And then you'll go back. So we just want to be that bridge, that welcome committee to our community, to the world of golf and to golf courses. What you have done is provided a space and you have fulfilled not only your soul's contract, but their soul's contract. Yes. It is just beautiful. It's so magical. I'm so grateful that you're here with us because, I mean, golf has always been a man's type of thing, right? It's always been there. But you had this vision, this goal, and you made it happen. You manifested that. This is legacy. This is legacy. Did you ever think that it would get this big? I'm not sure what I thought at first, I don't know if I even dared to dream that big. What I will tell you for sure is that I was driven. Mm -hmm. I was driven by my passion to empower women, Latinas, and our community as a whole. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what drives me in life. So when I saw this space, that I knew would benefit our community as a whole and our women in particular, I said, I need to make that connection. And that's what I was driven by. What are a couple of tips that you have that what Amigas can do to handle their shit? (laughs) Well, I would say show up. You know, because I know me, I know for me personally, some days I don't want to do it, right? There are a lot of things that go through our our minds. You know, maybe today I'm afraid. I might be full of fear of taking that next step. Or maybe I said yes to this project and it's way bigger than I imagined. Or there are a lot of, you know, that voice in our heads That's not even real. It's just a freaking voice that is there or it's not really there. We just let it create it. And once you're able to just say, you know what? That's not real. That's not even real. And you know what? It might be a big project, but today I'm just going to show up. And even if I just do this much, Mm. even if I show up and just do this much, the energy shifts, the energy like just starts flowing. At least that's been my personal experience because I, you know, I do this alone. I mean, I have the support of an amazing group of women, but I'm here 
by myself every day and you have to motivate yourself every day to move forward. How do I take the next step? How do I get sponsors? How do I this? How do I that? So to handle your shit, at least step number one, show up. Just show up and you would be surprised what happens just by showing up. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Amigas, I'm excited to introduce to you Danis Canavarino. She is a Latina entrepreneur, speaker, CEO, and founder of Luna Soul Media and founder of Latina Meetup. At Luna Soul Media, she leads a talented group of highly experienced online marketers in delivering measurable results for their clients. The Nye's unique career path include launching a successful affiliate network through to acquisition, developing an integrated marketing plan to bring together a suite of merged brands for a large interactive marketing agency, and breaking into the online Hispanic and Latino markets with Filiado, the first successful affiliate networks service affiliates and advertisers in Latin America. This diverse and performance-related career path has given her an in-depth understanding of launching a successful global marketing agency with a focused measurable results in the Hispanic and Latin American markets. At Latina Meetup, the mission is to celebrate, elevate, and connect Latina professionals through exciting networking events and a business directory. Without further ado, this is Danai Escanavarino. I've never heard of a Latina taking up the family and going cross country for three years. I mean, really, like this is just like, wow, wow. I commend you for that. Like I said before, I said that takes cojones, girl. Like that is like, like, you know, just really living with intention, absolute intention. Like your intention was to give the best to your kids and realize that, okay, time is precious. I'm not going to waste it. Wow. How incredible. How incredible. And your children must have been super excited and happy because it's not like they're in just one location. They're like moving, 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 looking, exploring. How beautiful is that? It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You know, like to be able to be on a mountain and looking down at the Rio Grande one day and the next day, you know, be in New York City. And, you know, a month from then, like we wintered in Bend, Oregon, and, you know, we're able to do all of the winter sports and just enjoy winter being from South Florida, you know, you don't really get to experience stuff like that. And so it was just amazing. It really was. And and we really got to see so much beauty that this country has to offer that, like, you know, we kind of take for granted sometimes. So it was really cool. Absolutely. You know, I... Okay, so I'm I'm one of those persons that doesn't take advantage of that. I mean, when I go on trips, I go to like, oh, I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> I just came back from Mexico. So it's like I leap. But instead of staying here and exploring on, I think it just when the pandemic hit in 2020, I think it must have been August or October, I went to Montana for the very first time to Glacier Park. And I was thinking like, wow what have I been missing? 
This is absolutely, yeah. absolutely beautiful. And I feel like amigas, like go out and explore your country, explore it. Right. It's, it's so mute. I mean, I love going all over the place, but our country has so much to offer. It definitely does. Wow. I'm completely blessed that you're here to tell us <laughs> about all this information. <laughs> so, okay. So you go on this road trip. So three years, and then there's something that happens that you finally settle, right? Yes. My oldest son came back from being deployed and he finished his tour. He finished his uh, military career. His wife, my daughter-in-law was stationed in Virginia and he called and he was like, Hey, can you guys, you know, come be with us. And when your grown kid actually wants to be near you, you know, especially a boy, right. You're kind of like, Oh, okay, (laughs) sure. So they were stationed in Langley, Virginia. She's Air Force. And so, yeah, and he was finishing college. He was in in university at the time. And, you know, it's a blessing that our business doesn't have to have a brick and mortar. Everybody that works with us is, you know, working from home. And so I was like, sure, why not? Let's go live in Virginia. I loved Virginia. We had traveled here a bunch of times and I absolutely adore it. You know, the, it's so beautiful, so woodsy, the flowers everywhere. It's like, you know, everything is a garden. (laughs) Everywhere you look is beautiful. So much hiking. And so we just ended up here and, and, and that's where I've been. And I love it. Least diverse place in the country. Definitely the least diverse place yes. in the country. Yes. I will say that. Yes. Can't yes. go to like the, the corner gas station and get a cafecito, no colada. Like that doesn't exist here. Wow. Um, but, you know, the people are very nice. Yeah. And so I live in specifically in Williamsburg. And so, yeah, I mean, this is where we ended up and, and I love it. Okay. So you went cross country. You're in Virginia now. So at what point... Did you start getting into the marketing world or was this a part of your life since inception? So, because I know you're big time, I know you're big time. So I want to know how did it all begin? (laughs) Okay. So when I was growing up, let's talk high school. When I was in high school, my brother and I, right, we, he was the techie person, totally into computers. He was brilliant. I was the journalism one. I was the writing one, the reading one. I would read like a book a day easily. Never thought about tech, was uh, hated math, was actually, you know, scared of technology, like of programming and stuff like that. There wasn't anything like we have now. There were no STEM programs and push towards STEM or anything like that. But my brother was very, very passionate about tech. He was the kid who at five years old actually took apart a radio and put it back together and it worked. Like he was brilliant. Mm -hmm. So he was very into computer programming and technology. And he kept on telling me, sis, you got to get into tech. Sis, you got to get into tech. You're going to love it. And I was like, you're crazy. I'm never (laughs) going to do that. I'm going to go work for National Geographic, travel the world and write about it. Like (laughs) that was my thing. And he convinced me one day after school, we sat in the computer lab, which, you know, was basically just a bunch of clunky old computers at that time. And uh, he gave me this. Manual, and he said, Here, just read this and practice what you read. And I did, and it was a DOS programming, and I learned it in like a day. Like, I I loved it. It just completely took me over. 
the next day, I actually went back to the computer lab and was like, hey, what do you have next for me? And he gave me a book about like Lotus one, two, three or something like that, which was the predecessor to um, Excel. And so I learned it another day, totally like dominated it. And then the next day he gave me another one. And I've learned like years worth of content in, I would say two weeks. Oh my God. I <laughs> through everything because I liked it. You know, when you like something, you'll just learn everything about it and you'll become, you know, the, the utmost, you know, uh, leader, the thought leader on it. It's just, you know, you become a pro at it. And right. so I really, really loved it. And I, that was my introduction to tech. And then in college, the internet started, but it wasn't like the internet we know now. Right. It was like, you know, bulletin boards and, you know, a little bit of chat. And I remember I was 19 years old and I created my first web page in HTML 1.0 and the browser was mosaic and <laughs> there was no images and it was like literally just text, colored text, hypertext, and that was it. But I just stayed with it. Right, right. There was nothing in school that you could learn. You know, the, the, um, the curriculum hadn't even been created for anything internet, really. So I just learned on my own. And I stayed on top of everything. And eventually, you know, I went to work for startups in the industry and I started to learn more at a faster pace because when you're creating, you know, you tend to learn. And so I ended up in internet marketing and I stayed with it and I went from startup to startup learning and growing. And eventually I got, you know, into the executive spots and eventually, you know, one day, I just wanted to go out on my own and I did. I, I went with a partner, I created a partnership and we launched our own company and that obviously failed <laughs> because I'm not with them anymore. Okay. It was a lesson. Failures yeah. are lesson. Oh, the, um, it's the best thing. I mean, at the moment you don't understand yes. it and you're hating it Absolutely. and you detest the situation, but in hindsight, you're like, thank God that happened. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every failure is a lesson as long as you're willing to learn from it and try not to do it again. And so I launched my own company 11 years ago and we've been doing great ever since and, you know, growing year over year. And thank goodness that, you know, in spite of the current situation with COVID, everybody was already working from home. So we didn't have any issues with that. And, you know, we've been doing great. And this is, this is Luna Soul Media. Luna Soul Media. Okay. So tell us what you do at Luna Soul Media. So Luna Soul Media is a digital agency in that we connect brands to multicultural consumers, mostly Latinos, Hispanics, depending on how one identifies. And we do that through three separate channels. So we have SMS marketing, we have email marketing, and then we have an affiliate marketing channel And uh, with those three traffic sources, we're able to deliver millions of leads and sales to clients every year. Ooh, and these, okay, and your clients, are they like big brand companies or these like the small, small, let's just take, for example, me, I'm just Han Solo. (laughs) Like, is that would be something that would work for me or your target market is more someone who's already established and they're just wanting to expand? So it can be either. We work with some very recognizable large brands, but then we also work with very small brands. For example, you know, somebody who has a Shopify store who has certain products, right? 
and they want more sales, well, then on the affiliate marketing channel, where we have an affiliate network, where we have all of these website owners and social media people, and you know, basically anybody with an audience, those people can promote their products in exchange for a commission. And we facilitate it with our platform doing all the tracking and everything. So yeah, it's from one end of the spectrum to the other. I'm very passionate about what I do. And uh, I like what I do. And I also have teams of people that, you know, I can rely on that make it possible for me to be able to do the things that I do. So for in Clubhouse, well, let me backtrack. Okay. So I work with brands that want to reach multicultural consumers. And I've been doing this for a long time. So I'm privy to some information, some data. Yeah. That data is that... Latinos represent a whole lot of money. We represent a whole lot of money, right? We represent over $2 trillion in GDP. Were we considered a country, we would be seventh after France. France. We represent enough money to oh be right God. after France. Are you kidding me? Like, no, like I no, knew, no. I knew, I knew we, had a lot of, we had a lot of purchasing power, but this... This statistic? It's not just our purchasing power. It's all the businesses we create because Latinos are very entrepreneurial. Yeah. All the people we employ, the money we put back into the economy, right? right. Uh, like all the services and products we're responsible for, we represent a lot of money. And so, of course, brands are, you know, trying to get to us. Yeah. And But we're very fragmented. We're not unified which frustrates the heck out of me. Mm -hmm. And so my passion is to create spaces and communities where we change that, right? Where we help each other out, where we're supporting each other's businesses. And so that's where the whole Amigos thing on Clubhouse where we met kind of came from, right? I think we're at about 26,000 members now. We're like the largest Latinx club on Clubhouse. Oh and we create these rooms and these spaces for people to come in, do some networking, learn about each other's businesses, support each other's businesses, learn new things, new techniques for marketing, you know, share opportunities. We have people who work for, you know, some Fortune 500 companies that come in and they say, hey, look, I have these openings. Contact me so that I can sponsor you and help you get through the chain of, you know, command and get, get you interviewed and hopefully in the door and stuff like that. That's what we should be doing for each other. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like it's, it, you're not selling, you're a serving you're not selling, you're serving. And if we switch that mindset, I mean, we can, I mean, oh we gosh. can conquer the world. Because if you, if you come from a space of service, I mean, it's going to flow easily and so nicely. Like you don't have to work hard. It could be all just done because, you know, the universe is giving it to you. And because your heart is open and, and doesn't, it's not up to like game. It's, it's more of like a giver, not a taker. And if we can open ourselves to something like that, wow, this two trillion, I, I guarantee we can double that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Tell me about it. And we came from that, from that point of yes. view, of that mindset with a yes. heart centered, right? And you're doing that. That's amazing. Oh my God. As I always ask my guests, 
because it is called Amiga Handle Your Shit. And apparently you've been handling your shit for a long time. So I want to know, inquiring minds want to know, if you could give us one to two tips on how Amigas can handle their shit. Okay. So one of the things that I struggle with is imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who are high-functioning you know, they deal with that. They deal with imposter syndrome. And so if you do, and my hunch is that there are a lot of listeners that do, because again, a lot of us deal with it. And, you know, being, being Latinx, Latina also kind of, you know, helps out with that whole imposter syndrome thing. And so my suggestion is just have a conversation with yourself, right? You have your little devil and your little angel, right? Mm -hmm. Let the angel be, you know, the real you that's telling the devil who's the imposter syndrome who says you're not good enough. You know, just tell it, just deal with it. Suck it up, go at it, go for your challenges, get through it so that then later on you can assess and be like, I did it. And you can pat yourself on the back. You know, that whole fake it till you make it thing. It works. It works because you're telling yourself, I got this. I got this. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it until eventually guess what you did it. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I always do with myself is I always have like that tough love conversation with myself where whenever I think I can't right, or I'm not good enough, or I don't belong here with these people. That voice tells me suck it up, buttercup, (laughs) go for it and do it. And later on, you'll be thankful. And if not, and if you fail, so what? At least you tried and you can't say that you didn't try. Yeah. So that's, that's my one like big thing is, you know, suck it up. (laughs) Just do it. Suck it up. Suck it up. Yes. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.